The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information on the National Committee, visit us at www.ncuscr.org or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Weibo. My name is Margot Landman. I am Senior Director for Education Programs at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations. Joining me today on the NCUSCR China podcast is Michael Schumann, a Beijing-based American journalist who has spent the last 20 years writing about Asia and the global economy. His book, Confucius and the World He Created, came out last year. Michael, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks for having me here today. After covering business and finance for so many years, why did you decide to tackle Confucius and his legacy? Yeah, there were times doing the book that I actually wondered that myself. But no, it, it uh, what I uh, was surprised by uh, was that I couldn't find uh, a book that answered a lot of my questions about Confucius. There's, of course, a lot written on Confucius and Confucianism. I found that a lot of it was either very academic or very focused on the, uh, you know, the tenets and ideas of Confucianism. And I uh, became really interested in more about the historical impact, like what, who was this person, uh, why did his ideas become so influential, in, and of course not just in China, but in, in most of East Asia, and what was it about the, the, those ideas that, that had such power and have been able to endure over so many centuries, uh, and have had such influence shaping what Asian civilization uh, has been historically and is today, and, and how are those ideas playing out in, in modern times? And and so I, I felt there was a, there was a need for a book on the bookshelf to kind of look more at the the, the historical importance of this of this man and his ideas, not just the ideas them, themselves. You write about what we might call the different faces of Confucius. Confucius the man, the sage, the king, the oppressor, the father, the teacher, and more. How do these categories help us understand Confucius in history? Uh, I, I think in, in, in a couple of ways. I mean, uh, the first is that Confucius has influenced so many different aspects of, of life, uh, in East Asia over the centuries, uh, how governments work, uh, how CEOs manage their companies, how people interact with each other on, on all kinds of social levels, how, how families operate and relationships between parents and children, uh, people's ideas on education, on democracy, on, on their own identity, uh, that, you know, I felt there was a need to look at all of these, a lot of these aspects of <coughs> Confucian influence in, in such a wide range of different aspects of, of life, both historically and, and today. I think what's also what I found interesting, starting to, to do the research as well, is that is that how the the image in, of Confucius has changed so much o- over time, uh, and and that there there really isn't one Confucius. There's countless Confuciuses that have existed through through history and that have been used for all kinds of purposes, both uh, good and bad, and how different scholars and thinkers and government officials and over so many centuries have, have redefined and rewritten and reanalyzed and what he said again and again and again and how 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 those many Confuciuses <coughs> 
have also influenced Asian society. In some ways, the Confucius you describe is not very appealing to somebody in the 21st century. The hierarchical social structure, the role of women. How do you address these issues in your book and in your thinking? I, there's a couple. I mean, like, like any uh, doctrine that was devised so long ago in a very different time period with very different sensibilities. Parts of it, when you look at it today, are not going to seem like they make sense. I mean, look at the Bible. If we if we still strictly adhere to what the Bible said, then we'd still be owning slaves and all kinds of things that, that we find now that are kind of un, unappealing. Confucianism has that in it as well, whether it's its attitudes on women, um, whether it's uh, some ideas about social structure and government and, and so on. Uh, but I think, like with the, like the Bible, I I don't think that means that you just take the whole thing and throw it in the shredder and decide that this doesn't doesn't have any value. Well, what what we've done with you know with the Bible is we've gone back and we we find things that still mean things to us today and are still relevant in modern times and and can can help us deal with modern problems. And uh, I think Confucius' teachings we can we can look at it very much the same way. And there is a movement today, especially mainly in academic circles, of doing just that. There's there's female scholars who are looking back at Confucius and saying, how do we reconcile Confucianism with with modern ideas about gender parity and, and how do you begin to do that? Um, to a certain extent I guess what, what needs to happen is that you need to have something of a reformation or, or a renaissance in Confucianism that that other doctrines have, have gone through over time and I think Confucianism is still waiting for for it to happen, uh, but uh, I think that when people go back, to, especially to the original classics, the, the 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 texts that are considered to be the most authentic, with the, the Analects and Mencius, things like that, I think people will be surprised, and I know I was when I started reading them in detail, that the image you have of Confucius and what he what he tried to do is is not quite what really comes comes across on those pages that there's been mm-hmm. there's been so many uh, so many scholars have written so much and have, have changed and redefined and, and added and reinterpreted over the years what what he said that a lot of the image that we have of what what he, of his ideas and what he tried to do is not actually what what he seems to have meant to do when you go back to the original source material so so I, I I think it's it is worth going back to the intellects and reading it and finding out hey you know this guy actually has some a lot of interesting stuff to say that is as relevant today as it was as it was back then. Hmm. You describe in the book a few instances in which Confucius has had a renaissance recently, such as the Confucius Academies in China, or the Confucius Institutes outside of China. How should we understand these efforts? What are they all about? I think there's two different things going on. One is the official kind of Chinese government uh, attempt to revitalize uh, Confucian ideas and and Chinese tradition in general. Uh, And the second one is is because of that new tolerance, uh, regular people going back and and looking at the looking at their own traditions uh, in a different way than they have in a very long time, 
and and the two are linked, but they're not at, at the same time. Uh, I, I think the when you see in Confucian Institutes and, and some of the, the things that the officially the Chinese government under Xi Jinping is trying to do, I think it's fairly easy to be cynical about about this that they're they're doing what to a great degree the old emperors did, which is use a form of of Confucius' teachings uh, to suit its own its own purpose uh, and and to to use Confucianism as something of a of a government. Uh, ideology. Um, on the other hand, uh, because the government's attitude towards Confucius has changed so much, you have regular people who are going back and, and reading the classics again and putting their kids into Confucius schools and visiting Confucius' hometown. And, and uh, what will they learn from all of this? Will they will they see the same Confucius that the Chinese government is, is, sees, or are they going to find a very different Confucius that, that maybe means something else to them? Uh, or uh, mean something else for, for for the whole society. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that as as the government really makes a, a stronger stronger effort to revive Confucian ideas, how that plays out over the next ten to fifteen years. I'm struck by your use of the word tolerance because that's not a word I would associate with Xi Jinping <laughs> generally, right. but perhaps in this area there is some. It's an interesting thought. Well, by you know, by tolerance, I mean you know, this, there was a time uh, not that long ago when when the Chinese Chinese government tried to basically obliterate Confucian teachings, right. and they were burning Confucian books, and, and and now you have a president who who promises, you know, when when he went to Chufu and himself in 2013, he 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 promised to read Confucian texts, and uh, so you know you have a you have a turnaround in in, in attitude towards. Confucius. In that way, there's a greater tolerance for it, and they are encouraging people to to, to revisit uh, Confucian teachings. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I think there's a limit to that tolerance. Where, you know, I, I think it's fairly clear that this government doesn't necessarily want to encourage a lot of independent civil society. So uh, the Confucius that the government wants is a Confucius that I think they see as suits their their own uh, political interest, uh, and which basically means preserving the status quo. And the fascinating part of what I think is going to happen over the next decade or two is, you know, once you reintroduce these ideas, can you necessarily control them? And, and that's something the government is trying to do, but if, if you, people are really going to go back and pick up the analects, are, are they going to find what the government wants them to find or, or not? And then what does that mean for Chinese society and politics going going forward? It seems, both in the book and from what you just said, that you want Confucius to have something to say to contemporary people, contemporary society. But when you write about the Asian values debate of Li Guan Yu of Singapore or Xi Jinping using and abusing my right. word, not yours, right. Confucius in China today, you don't seem entirely convinced. What is it about Confucius that you think has value for people today? You know, I, I, I think that the, uh, I mean, when you look at the Asian values argument and what Xi Jinping is doing, you know, we talked about a minute ago that there's many different Confuciuses, and they've chosen a certain Confucius uh, that uh, that they propagate, that they think is useful for them. Um, 
but there's lots of other Confuciuses. And, you know, if if you go back to the Analects and you read about Confucius' ideas on good government and, and uh, what makes for a proper person and how people should interact with each other, some of the stuff that's extremely fundamental uh, and, and you know, whether it's the, the version of the golden rule that, that Confucius uh, uh, preached, you know, 500 years before before Jesus, uh, he did the negative, uh, don't do unto others what you don't want done done to you. Um, whether it's his some of his ideas about how to confront evil and, and uh, it, you know, in I think especially in China that has to a certain extent lost its way uh, where you've seen a tremendous surge of, of wealth uh, and but you don't see I think society have an overarching purpose or, or direction uh, and this is something that Chinese this isn't kind of a foreigner looking at China I mean I've, I talk to a lot of Chinese about this that they feel that their own society has become overly materialistic and there's so much fraud and, and corruption and environmental degradation and, and they, they look around them and said basically what, what's happened to our society that we care so little about the greater the greater good um, it, it I think that some Confucian principles can actually help with this kind of this process that the Chinese are now going through of, of how to deal with their deal with their current problems, how to how how to deal with their wealth, where the country is going in in the future, and where in terms of individual people and families, how how they how they deal with the you know incredible amount of social change that China has experienced in the last twenty years that would be overwhelming for anybody. Uh, and and when I talk to people who have gone back to the you know, I, there's book clubs at a forum that are focused on uh, the Chinese classics, not necessarily just uh, Confucianism, but going back and reading the Chinese philosophers and, and and literature. That's what they're looking for. They're they're looking for spiritual guidance in their own lives, and they're looking for answers for for to help Chinese society overall. Uh, so. A lot of people think that a return to Confucius would be bad. It means dictatorship. It means kind of old-fashioned ideas about families and old, old ideas about human rights and so on. But on the other end, it actually could mean some. It could be something very important and very useful for, for Chinese who are, are looking for guidance in this very uncertain time that they're that they're going through right now. Has the book been translated into Chinese? The book is being translated into Chinese. Yes, it is. Uh, and yeah, there is going to be a Chinese edition as well as a Korean edition. What do you suspect? How do you think it will be received? That's a good question. Uh, honestly, uh, because of uh, the last uh, couple chapters, uh, which don't necessarily show the Chinese government in, in the best light and the Asian values argument and so on. I mean, what what Xi Jinping is doing is basically a rehash of, of Lee Kuan Yew's uh, Asian values argument in, in slightly different form. Uh, so the last chapters uh, you know don't don't come out terribly positively on some of these ideas. So I was a little surprised that a mainland Chinese publisher was willing to translate it and print it. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we haven't gotten to the, the point where uh, we're dealing with censors and things yet. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. But. Uh, I, I don't it'll be, but because of that it will be interesting to see how this play you know this this is a book that's not necessarily following the Xi Jinping line exactly on on these issues and and uh, how will it be received in, in China uh, it will be interesting. 
we've come to the end of our time. Thank you very much for talking with me today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.